Hello and welcome to Connected episode 469. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Vitality, Squarespace, and Nom Nom. My name is Stephen Hackett and I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Howdy. Hey. I just got back from the US of A. You did. I did. And I am also joined by Mr. Federico Vecici. Ciao, Federico. Hello. Welcome back to Europe. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys pushing the episode back a day so I could be on it mm-hmm. because I was coming home, you know? You came home. I'm back home. Federico did text me last night and said, are you back in Europe? Which I really appreciated as a message, you know? Oh, yeah. It was just nice. It was just nice. Nice for him to, like, recognize that I'm geographically in Europe, even yeah, well, if the yes. rest of... My, even if my government yes. doesn't want me to Politically be, speaking, know? you may not be, but in our hearts <laughs> exactly. and in our in geography, you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. We have some very important follow-up from last week's episode, Federico. Okay. So uh, on the last episode, we exposed Stephen for his uh, story. <gasps> oh, you saw, you saw the truth. You saw, you saw, okay, tell me. So later on in the evening, uh, we were going through to Stephen's house. We were out in the pod cabin and we went through to Stephen's house and we were setting up an Xbox that we used for the podcast-a-thon. Okay. And Stephen opened a cabinet and there were more hard drives. <laughs> there were more oh, no. hard drives no. inside the house. They just fell we, off we, the cabinet? <laughs> I mean, they were just there, man, all stacked up, all nice and neat, but all stacked up on top of each other. Uh, and I, I snapped a photo um, which is not the photo in the show notes, uh, which is of Stephen being caught in the act. Uh, but it's probably better to have this image that Stephen took, which is nice and neat. But I do have uh, I have photographic evidence of Stephen being caught with his... Um, this was talked about on a, an episode of Mac Power Users. I'm just going to say that. That some, no, it's not someone an excuse. didn't listen. No, no, because it's hard to, to, to understand the amount of stories that you have. I cannot comprehend it, you know? Well, do you mean to walk you through this as well? Yes. Okay, so this is my Plex slash iTunes slash Time Machine server. It's an M1 Mac Mini. No, no, no. Slash iTunes? I'll get there. Just let me go through this. (laughs) (laughs) iTunes server. iTunes. Okay. We purchased media for years, and I want all all those movies and stuff, so they're all downloaded. Okay, okay. Go ahead. It's It's a base level M1 Mac Mini. With 256 gigabytes of SSD. This was a machine that Jim Metzendorf owned, and I bought it off him a while, ago, a while back. You know, now as you're saying this, I'm remembering. This was a feedback episode, right? I think so. Yeah, I remember I remember you thanking Jim, and then I also saw in the Slack Jim say, you're welcome, which was funny to me. Yes. To get that, like, 360 experience. Uh, connected to it is the five-port OWC Thunderbolt hub, which I'm a big fan of. If you just need some, like, USB-C and... Thunderbolt stuff. This one's this is pretty sweet, and it's 129 bucks. It's about the cheapest thing out there that does this. I will say the power brick is bigger than the hub, but that's pretty common with Thunderbolt stuff. Uh, off of that are a couple of four terabyte SSDs in uh, a set of little aluminum enclosures, also from OWC. One of them holds the Plex library. The other one is the clone of the Plex library. You said that again. So there's a set. Of four terabyte drives here. Uh huh. One of them holds That's the Plex sick. library, and one is its clone. We live very different lives. There is then another older OWC enclosure with another four terabyte SSD in it, and that is for remote time machine for the kids' laptops. So this is the only justifiable one. Okay. They're, they're never <laughs> going to plug into time machine drive, so it just happens automatically. Yeah, sure. 
Sure. You're Nobody should have to plug into time machine drives, to be yeah. honest. That's true. And then uh, lastly, there's a T7 SSD that is time machine for the Mac Mini itself. So the things on the Mac Mini, which is not very much because it has a tiny little SSD, uh, that gets backed up there. So that is another, let's see, 4, 8, 12... 12.75 terabytes. Another 12.75 terabytes Another storage. 12 terabytes. And that's SSD, all SSD, right? All SSD. There's no spinning drives anymore except the offsite backups. And for what? For a bunch of movies and what? What are you worried? Yeah. Apple's going to be like, uh, can't download those movies anymore. I mean, that's mostly historic, like that I just, I set it to download things automatically like 15 years ago and it just stuck around. But you have like... Yeah, you say that, but 15 years ago, you were not using this, these drives, were you? No. So, like, you had to be like, I'm going to move this stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm going to move this stuff. I'm not just going to be like, oh, I'll get a new drive that's like four terabytes and I'll just plug it in so I can download anything that I need from my library whenever I need it. Instead, you were like, no, I will take the four weeks that it will take to transfer these from a spinning drive to an SSD drive. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And the and the Plex library is all like Apple and tech video stuff that used to be on my laptop, but now is on Plex. Right. So it's like this. This is like another reason why you don't need a hundred terabytes on your laptop. You know, we said that, and right now I only have four point one nine terabytes free. So uh, I'm right at four terabytes again on the laptop. So who who knows? But. You did you didn't need supposedly discover the second I computer. I wasn't hiding it, it from you. It, it was roast. You were roasting my setup. The Mac Mini's not part of my setup. It's in the house under the TV. This is more. This isn't part of the roast. This is more just like now we're now we've entered a different plane, right? Mm. Like it started as like let's roast like we did for me, but then we just spoke about your storage for an hour, and so like now we're in like just how much storage does Stephen have? You know. Yeah, well, this you is have all more of it. somewhere, right? No, you definitely have more. Mm -hmm. You definitely have like another four terabyte SSD in a backpack or something. Yeah, I will be shocked if you don't have at least four terabytes like in your nightstand. Or just like something like you that. just trip over them or something like, oh, there's the four terabytes. That's another clone. You, you, you know how on Breaking Bad, Walter White would hide cash like in the in the uh, up in the ventilation. Um, mm -hmm. spots of his house you hide you can hide hard drives uh, instead of cash just hide them all over the place if i had if i didn't have the drives i would have cash to hide true also true also true where's the off-site backup of this media i can't tell you that you do have one though what no none of this is off-site other than backblaze so this is not part of my spinning drive this goes to backblaze yeah very My slowly. Word. I have what it. kind of what kind of plan do you pay for on Backblaze? It's like seven dollars a computer a month or something. Man, and, I feel sorry for Backblaze because honestly. this is so. I, I get this email all the time. Like, why don't you just use a Synology? Uh, well, I do this because I'd much rather have a Mac as the server as opposed to a Synology because you can do things like I have all these drives plugged in. Send them to Backblaze. I don't have to jump through the hoops that people like Casey and others have Can't to do. You install backblaze on a docker container and mm, zip yes. it all up to the disk drive well it's got to go through um two raspberry pies hooked up to my garage uh -huh. door and <laughs> i get an led telling me the status of my backup oh that's so so helpful good uh oh no it's yellow what does that mean um, um 
So you, mm. but you, yes, you do this. Okay, all right. So, I've, so let again, me, but let, but let me ask you, Stephen. If the power goes out, which it does, how? Okay, how many backup solutions for power do you have in your house? <laughs> and follow-up question: How do you reboot all these things and make sure they're working? I am halfway through the installation of a whole home generator. Oh my god! <laughs> I've seen it. Oh my it's really god. because y'all but... know this. We've worked together for a long time. Yeah. My power just goes out, and I got I got a job to do. So yeah, uh, yeah, look, yeah. I agree with it. I look, you know, I agree with it. I, I was encouraging you to get it, but yeah. it was just funny to me that Federico was asking what I think was not a serious question, mm. but you do have an actual yeah. serious answer. I do. Mm-hmm. I was sort of expecting that. Um, so, but what if the the one generator you have breaks? So the power goes out. Generator yeah. one should kick in. But what if there's a fault in oh. generator one? Yeah. Well, there yeah. are there are apparently multiple ways to power the generator. The generator can be powered from natural gas or propane. Okay. So I got I got options not, there. Not not your kids on a bicycle or something. That's the last. Maybe. That's the last one, right? <laughs> that's the last. Line them all up. Why well, else have three children if you can't wow. put them on bicycles? You know, wow. to, to power the home. <laughs> you know. I mean, to be fair, they already ship too. calendars on your behalf. So exactly. Hmm. You know. Hmm. Okay. Also, basically immediately after the episode was published. Apple started listing both the M2 Ultra Apple Silicon Mac Pro mm. and the 2023 M2 Mac Studio on the refurb store for Steven with about 15% discounts on those. Can you hear can you hear that sound, Steven? That computer saying, Steven, Steven, buy me. <laughs> Think of all the storage you could put inside. I'm just an empty box now. <laughs> There's nothing in here except space for storage. <laughs> just think of how many SSDs you could get in there. You so know? many. I know this because I used to I used to have many SSDs in my yeah, Mac but Pro. surely you can get more in there now. Oh is yeah, an iPhone inside of that thing. There's no there's no there's no GPUs anymore, so fill mm. it up with drives. We have some exciting news. Okay, this is the final call for Relay FM for St. Jude twenty. Is it twenty three? I don't think it is. We're gonna do one next week, but you know September is trying to push people into oh, so- it. It's the final call in September, but next week we'll be mentioning Next week's like time. the cleanup. Like, okay. hey, if you haven't donated yet, <laughs> really you're out of time. Right, right, okay. Look, I'm just trying to get people to go donate. This is the final call, part one. Final call, version one, underscore A. Look, we've been talking about this all month, but I want to tell, uh, tell you what I did yesterday. Can I do that? I'm going to okay. tell, tell you about my day yesterday. So I got invited to the opening of... Domino's Village, and this is a new uh, building, six-story building on St. Jude's campus, actually right across the street from St. Jude's campus, and they built this cool, like, tunnel over the road. I guess that's called a bridge, right? But it's enclosed. A floating tunnel. (laughs) 
<laughs> An enclosed bridge. Suspended from the ground. <laughs> you can walk across the street, but stay inside the building. It's magical. Uh-huh. Uh, Domino's Village is super cool. So St. Jude has long, uh, since 1962, all along has had the mission to treat children with cancer and other catastrophic diseases without regard for the family's ability to pay. And in Danny Thomas's vision for that, not only did that include free treatment and medicine and testing and all the great medical and scientific work that happens at St. Jude, but they weren't going to have to worry about meals and they weren't going to have to worry about housing because most of these families aren't from Memphis. I am an outlier at St. Jude that I'm, I am from here. Most people travel from all across the U.S. and all around the world to have their kids treated here. And housing has always been a challenge. And they have several housing options now. But for larger families like mine with three kids, those options were pretty limited. And so the Domino's Village was built to help address this. It has 140 apartments in it. They are one-bedroom, two-bedroom, and three-bedroom options. And some of these treatments... You're at St. Jude, you're in and out of the hospital for years. In the past, you maybe have to like split up your family, like some kids stay at home, or maybe your spouse stays back at home. And and now there's more flexibility because of this building. So I got to go to the grand opening and it was this place is amazing. Like all these all these apartments are incredibly nice, but they really thought through and talked with the patient families. So a lot of these kids have to do regular blood draws, right? You want to check on your immune system and other numbers while you're on treatment. And before this, they would have to get dressed. The parents have to get dressed and like go to the hospital, depending on where their housing was. Maybe that was on campus. Maybe that was someplace else like the Target house. And you have to get on a shuttle and go to the hospital. Uh, So to alleviate this, they built a clinic in the building. And so if all you've got to do is go do blood work or you got to go have something checked, you don't have to make the trek over to the hospital. You can do it within the the village complex. Uh, there's playgrounds. There's a beach room, which it was like being at the beach. It was wild. I don't know how they did it, but there's all of these amazing rooms, these amazing experiences. And so now there's this communal place for families who are a little bit larger or who are staying a longer time, and they can kind of do life together in this new place. And for me, like as a patient dad, it was amazing to walk through this and talk to people who were involved because all of it was patient driven. Like they're talking to patients or talking to their parents about what they want and need. And I absolutely love that about St. Jude. If you watch the podcast-a-thon, and by the way, there's a link uh, to a blog post that has the videos embedded in it. Uh, so go, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's, I, I'm very proud of how it went. I think we all are. There's a section of there where my wife and I spoke about the family commons, which is an area in the hospital that used to be patient rooms. And now it's like a there's a music lab and a science lab and uh, a chapel and you can rent like nap pods. And there's a, a place to uh, like a um, what's the word I'm looking for, like have your hair done like a, you know, a salon, a salon. Yes. Thank you. And all of this is because they really listen and to patients and their families, and that they want to treat the whole family while they're there. Uh, This is only possible through partnerships and donations. So when you go to stjude.org slash relay, you're helping fund all of this stuff, all the stuff we've spoken about all month, St. Jude's global initiatives, St. Jude's scientific research that takes place in Memphis and then is shared around the world, 
They're sending chemotherapy to countries all around the world, but it also pays for things that are, are much more everyday life. Because when you hear that your child has cancer, everything in your life explodes. And you're not thinking in the moment about where are we going to live for the next three years? But for a lot of families, that's a very real challenge. And so St. Jude is working to to meet that need too. So it was super cool to be there. It was a real honor to get to, to, get to be at the opening. Uh, but stjude.org slash relay is where you want to go. Uh, we're going to be running this for another week or so. So go, go donate. Uh, if you are a person who works at a company that does uh, donation matching. And a lot of companies do that. If you're not sure, you can go ask somebody at your company. Uh, There's a process on the website to have that match accredited to the campaign. Um, And if you have any questions about that, you can email us at stjude at relay.fm. Or if anything else has come up in the campaign you have questions about, send us an email. But it's been super successful and super cool. So if you have donated, thank you. And if you haven't, time is running out. Uh, to be part of this campaign. So please, please go donate. Uh, I also wanted to, on the podcast, recognize your crowning as co-founder champion. Uh, so during the podcast-a-thon, Stephen and I competed. Uh, Stephen won. Um, the, the dominated. Final total. I wouldn't say you dominated. He dominated There was about, there was about 10 points between us. Like it you. wasn't really a domination. You did win. I mean, I grant that, that you, you definitely beat me. But dominate... In physical challenges, you dominated me, but in everything else, it wasn't so much. Is what I'm going to say for the matter. But I acknowledge you as co-founder champion and did so and handed you the co-founder championship belt. We commissioned championship belts <laughs> to be made. There's a video in the show notes, which we posted on Instagram, and you can see it's an actual championship belt that we had custom made. It's got our artwork on it, and the logos are all over it, like... The Relay FM co-founder champion. Steven is now the holder. Uh, this can be challenged anytime. Steven can put the co-founder championship on the line whenever he deems fit. But otherwise, it will be, uh, it will be. I guess, every September now, we will duke it out for the championship. But, like, you know, if you're feeling particularly spicy during the Rickies, it's all up to you, really. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Vitaly. Customer success teams today are facing a problem. How do they connect customer data back to their work? Vitaly changes that because it's a new type of customer success platform. It's an all-in-one collaborative workspace that combines customer data with the capabilities you expect from today's project management and work platforms because it's designed for today's customer success team. That's why Vitaly operates with unparalleled efficiency improves net revenue retention, and delivers best-in-class customer experiences. It's the solution to help your customer success team to keep a better pulse on your customers, which maximizes productivity, visibility, and collaboration. And you can boost your bottom line by driving more revenue per customer with Vitaly. And if you take a qualified demo of Vitaly, you can get a free pair of AirPods Pro. So if you're a customer success decision maker actively seeking CS solutions and working at a B2B or SaaS company with 50 to 1,000 employees, and you're willing to explore changing customer success platforms if you already have one in place, then Vitaly is something you should check out. Schedule your call by visiting Vitaly, that's V-I-T-A-L-L-Y, vitaly.io slash connected and get that free pair of AirPods Pro. The link is in the show notes, vitally.io slash connected 
for a free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. Our thanks to Vitaly for their support of the show and Relay FM. So it's iOS 17.1. Who <laughs> even, even needs to wait? You know, let's just get another beta out there. iOS 17.1 is out now, beta 1 at least, and it has a bunch of changes. I want to list through some of the stuff that seems interesting, and then maybe Federico, you can touch on the things that uh, intrigue you the most. So now in Apple Music, there is the option to, f- like, what they're referring to as favorite songs rather than like songs. Like you no, can, like, rather than loving Oh, love, I should say. Yes, you know, favorite them. And this is from 9to5Mac. It says, Apple says that Apple Music will automatically generate playlists of all of your favorite songs and albums. This feels very Spotify-like. Yeah, so this is one of the features that was pre-announced for Apple Music. Um, They said it was going to come later this year. And it seems like 17.1, for other features we'll talk about shortly, will be the Apple Music release. The ability to continue airdrop transfers over the internet is a thing now so you can start an airdrop and leave <laughs> let me send you these photos i'm running away you're transferring <laughs> phones i'm um, get bye <laughs> see ya uh in transferring phones i'm getting annoyed about how often my phones are connecting to each other and i don't really know what happens you know like you just hold two phones next to each other it says connected but like what though it's just you know? celebrating so our a very show. weird thing I what is it? What is it doing though? When it says that they're connected to each other, like what are they doing? I have talked to people who carry like a work phone and a personal phone, and their phones keep trying to airdrop their contact card to each other, even though sure they're like the same person. I will also say that the air, like the fancy airdrop animation, is amazing. But I know, like in the That's in the good. past week, we've been airdropping stuff to each other a lot, and it's kind of busted. Like sometimes it just doesn't mm. work and so yeah. hopefully seven seventeen. i keep calling this ios 7 i don't know why mm-hmm. hopefully ios 17.1 makes the whole thing uh better uh, luckily you can like pull up from that right like ios 17 right you can like 17 pull up, you know you're like barreling towards the cliff face um you can this is interesting so ios 17.1 adds a feature where in the united kingdom only <laughs> you can see bank balances in the wallet app. So if you have a card for your bank and you make a payment inside the wallet app, it will show you your available balance. And this is based off of a technology, what we have here called open banking, where all banks have like an API that they can read from and write to and that they actually legally have to. So for example, you can have one bank Well, say you have two banks with two different bank accounts. It's possible to see the balances of both of them inside of one banking app if you want to. Uh, This has also generated a bunch of startups. So, like, there, it's very easy here to create like a budgeting app because you can just log into all of your banks and credit cards that you just and it like passes an API token. So now Apple is going to be taking advantage of this inside of the wallet app, which I just think is a very cool feature. Like, why not? You know, weird, but go for it. Uh, there's also when you turn on the flashlight, it shows in the dynamic island. Best yes. feature, <laughs> best funny. best live activity. Now you can tell that the flashlight is on because it's in the dynamic island. There is no um, way to tell that the flashlight is on otherwise. No, I mean, so what other good. way there is? Well, you look at it. Come on, <laughs> there's nah. absolutely zero way. Well, you're staring at the back of their phone. Are you wild? Uh, and also, if you uh, are on iPad OS and you search for an app and press in spotlight and press shift return on a keyboard mm-hmm. it will open in 
stage manager. I just got to say, what what is going on now? That why is iPadOS stage manager so much better than macOS stage manager? I don't. Why can't they develop these technologies at the same time? Why do they? You gotta go on MacStories.net, read yeah. what I want. And chip it the following, you know. I don't know. I can think you can you just sneak this stuff into a macOS review? Also, I guess John did. Though, I don't know for I'm, a price. I could for a price. Okay, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I, w- what I think, in all seriousness, what I think happened was that, and I say this based on my feel of this, not because somebody told me, but it feels like some people were really convinced a specific version of stage manager last year and stage manager was shipped the feedback happened they saw the complaints they saw the stories and thankfully apple being apple sometimes they are really convinced but they are they are also willing to listen now all of this could have been avoided by listening last year instead of being stuck on a certain idea. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least we got these fixes uh, in 17 and not in 18 in 2024. So I think it's a, still a victory. But yeah, shifter, shifter turn is actually very nice. So you, you can just pull up Spotlight and without having to use the pointer, so your hands are not leaving the keyboard, just press uh, shift return or shift enter, depending on what it's labeled on your keyboard. And you can add the... I guess the way that it works is you add the most recent window for the selected app uh, to the current workspace. So let's say that you have a bunch of Safari windows open and you search for Safari in Spotlight and you press shift or turn. Uh, The most recently active window from Safari is going to be the one that gets added to uh, the current workspace. Assuming Mm. that you have, of course, uh, space for those windows, Stage Manager is still limited to four windows at once in, a, in the same workspace. So if you have three windows, Safari will get added. If you already are at four windows, you will be taken into a new workspace. So that limitation is still in place, unfortunately. And you said something else about music, though, right? That you think it's going to be the music release? Yeah, so there's a, a, a couple other features that, that will be in 17.1. So uh, the rebrand of uh, loved songs to favorites, which, by the way, will carry over. So uh, all songs that I previously loved in Apple Music are now marked as favorites in my library. They will automatically show up in this uh, favorite songs playlist that is not in this beta, but it will be at some point. Um, there is also another feature that was previously announced uh, it was actually in the guide to iOS 17 that I that I had from Apple PR, and it never shipped. And now I I know why because it got delayed. Um, Apple makes some um, artwork templates for your playlists. Um, so now when you edit a playlist of your own uh, that you made, um, when you choose the picture, you can choose from a selection of templates made by Apple, and they. There are not too many of them. There's like, I would say, about 10 different templates mm-hmm. based on these like geometrical, geometrical patterns. They're pretty cool looking and there's not a lot of choice. I assume more templates will be released over time. Um, they still look pretty nice, I think. I used to use a, a utility called Denim to make um, nice looking um, covers for, for my playlists in Apple Music. This is a built-in solution, but of course it depends on how many 
you will be able to choose from right now. Not too many. Uh, and there's also a feature that was straight up copied from Spotify. As with most things these days, you know, Android copies iOS, iOS copies Android, Apple Music copies Spotify and vice versa. It's fine. Um, there's only song- so many features. Exactly. Song suggestions at the bottom of a playlist. So this this is a feature that Spotify has had for a few years at this point. And you scroll to the bottom of a playlist and Apple Music will suggest additional songs that in theory should be a good fit for that playlist. However, um, and there's a reload button, of course, if you want to get more recommendations. Um, However, these suggestions right now in this first beta of 17.1 are so bad in Apple Music. They are (laughs) so... inferior to the Spotify recommendations. Uh, For example, I have a playlist uh, called Best of 2023, and it's all, I I make this playlist every year. It's my favorite songs of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty easy to infer, I guess, if you are an algorithm, that these are all songs that were released in the current calendar year. However, when I went in there and scrolled to the bottom last night, I got a bunch of recommendations from Oasis, from uh, The Stone Roses, from Eminem, like, <laughs> you mm. know, songs that were, first of all, not matching the sort of tracks that I loved this year, but also not songs that came out in 2023. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the Stone Roses literally made two albums in the late, in the early 90s. I was going to say, it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. Apple uh, Music so, is just hopeful. That's you know? right. Uh, well, bring them back. Yeah, the, bring back the Stone Roses. Um but yeah, um, so hopefully this will improve. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at uh, three, four Apple Music features already. In the, in, in the, and, and I should also say, you can now mark a song as favorite from the now playing control on the lock screen mm-hmm. and from the dynamic island. So you can mark it as a favorite without having to open the music app. It's it's not part of iOS seventeen point one, but I, I did want to follow up on a, something I talked about a, a long time ago that the timer live activity when you tapped it would not take you to the timer; it would just stare at you on the lock screen, and that has changed. I guess like it wasn't even there. I don't think in the in like the release candidate for seventeen. But maybe 1701 or 02 added it. So now if you have a timer and it's a live activity on the lock screen, you tap it, it takes you to the timer directly, which is uh, the way it should have always been. And I'm so glad they fixed it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your business and your brand online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, even content that you're creating. Squarespace has everything you need all in one place. Say that you want to start a website about automation on iPhone and Mac. Well, you're going to need a couple of things, right? You're going to need a blog. You're probably going to need uh, some nice galleries. You may want to be able to show videos or host a podcast. All that stuff is available through Squarespace. And you can make it look awesome with the Fluid Engine, Squarespace's next-generation website design system, to unlock your creativity more easily than ever before. You get to have drag and drop tools on desktop and mobile. You can make all the colors what you want, typefaces. It's really awesome. Then you can set up a store for physical or digital products. 
And all of this, you can see how it's doing with the, the analytics that are built in. Sometimes analytics packages are really confusing. Squarespaces are easy to understand and look awesome. So you can see, see where your site visitors and sales are coming from really easily. I love building on Squarespace because everything I need is in one place. I'm not putting a bunch of different tools together. Everything works together because it's all from the awesome folks at Squarespace. Head on over to squarespace.com connected for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code connected to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. That's squarespace.com connected and the code connected when you sign up get 10% off your first purchase, and to show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Connected and FM. Federico has changed the world. Changed my world. You've introduced multi-button. Multi-button. Federico, does the word multi have a different meaning in Italian? I know it's, it's, yeah. it, it's used in, I, I think, some like Latin-based languages. Yeah, it means um, multiple. Like Yeah, no, I... I I thought like people use the word multi as like I don't know, never mind. No, no, it's it's when it's used in combination with something else, it's like multiple of something. Yeah. Like, uh, I would say I don't know multi mic. If I had multiple mics at my disposal, <laughs> no, multiple mic Harleys, you know, yeah. like a little army of mics. Uh, <laughs> say, yeah, uh, yes. So, what do you want to know about multi button? What is it? Okay, Tell so. The all right, so I had this idea. Um, I was playing around with my iPhone 15 Pro Max. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and I was taking a look at all these shortcuts that people have been making for taking advantage of the action button. And uh, one of the things that I knew was going to happen uh, happened, which is people making menus to pick a shortcut. So when you press the action button, you get a list of additional shortcuts mm -hmm. that you can run. And that's th that menu in itself is a shortcut, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You make a list and you choose from a list. But I started thinking about this and, and I started wondering, well, is there any way that I can improve this? Um, what, and, and I had this thought after a few glasses of wine, uh, what if I could figure out a way to assign two shortcuts to the action button? <laughs> and uh, so I started playing around with the different with different ideas and I realized, well, one of the things I would like the action button to do, I mean, beyond, you know, I would like to double press or triple press the action button. None of these gestures are supported and right. there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. But I had this idea of toggling between two shortcuts. And obviously the problem was how well, how do you toggle between two shortcuts? Like how can you tell your iPhone now run shortcut A, now run shortcut B? And so, obviously, we go back to our dear friend of the show, uh, a JSON file. Um, and I had this idea of, well, what if whenever you run a shortcut, you store a little configuration file that says, at this time, you know, 6.02 p.m. and 10 seconds, you press the action button. And what if when you pressed it again, shortcuts could say, well, I see that it's only been five seconds since you last ran a shortcut from the action button, I'm gonna let you toggle to a different shortcut now. So that's, that's multi-button. It's a way to have a default shortcut associated with your action button. Um, so when you press it, you can just 
run a shortcut and it can be whatever you want. Toggling the flashlight, do not disturb, sending a message, whatever. But if you press it again within a few seconds, um, it's going to run a different shortcut. So you can assign two shortcuts to the same action button press. The difference is that you toggle between them if it's been a few seconds. The idea being, if you press the action button, I assume you did what you wanted to get done. And if it's been a few seconds, maybe now you want to do something else. And it's actually very simple behind the scenes. It's storing a timestamp in iCloud Drive. And whenever you press the button, it does a little calculation to say, well, has it been seven seconds since you last ran a shortcut from the action button? If it's less than seven seconds, it's going to run a different shortcut. If it's more than seven seconds, which is, by the way, a number that you can customize, um, it's going to run uh, your default shortcut instead. And uh, yeah, I, I, and I actually have uh, a few ideas. I'm already playing around with, um, because I figured I can extend multi-button in a way that can become even more powerful in the future. And I'm playing around with this idea of overrides. So essentially making multi-button contextual, like... I see all these shortcuts that people are making based on different conditions and all these like if-then-else statements, like mm -hmm. if I'm in a focus mode or if I'm on Wi-Fi and they need to create all these shortcuts manually. And I'm thinking about like, what if I could make this into a system where it's like more plug and play? You don't need to do all that coding yourself, but there's only uh, a few options that you can configure. And for example, imagine if multi-button knew if you were in focus mode or knew if you were on Wi-Fi or knew if you, for example, you were using a specific app. Uh, and that's something that I'm working on right now. Because I've seen there's this, I think, a utility called Actions or something that I've yes. seen people have been using yeah. to do stuff with. But to me, like, you know, I, I, I want things done the Federico way, which is like Federico did it. And then I just get to install the shortcut. That's what I, that's what I like, you know. Exactly. That's my favorite way, because typically, if I don't know what to do in my life, I text Federico and I'm, and I say, mm. "How does this work in yes. shortcuts?" But not everybody has that access, so it's yeah, nice sure. when you build these things for us. What if you created a shortcut, Mike, for your action button mm -hmm. that just takes a screenshot of shortcuts and sends it to Federico automatically? Put that in your multi-button and smoke it, you know? That's a really good... I'm going to make that my second action on the multi-button. Now that I have the action button, I have, a, a, if you will, a public request for app developers. I think now that we have the action button, you should... If you're a developer and you have an app that deals with, I don't know, notes or tasks or documents, whatever, you should consider actions in shortcuts that deal with the currently selected item things by culture code does this. And that's the sort of template that I urge other developers to follow. Because before, on, on an iPhone, if you were using shortcuts on an iPhone, you couldn't really run a shortcut based on what was currently selected in an app. An app on an iPhone is full screen, and if it's full screen, it means you cannot open shortcut, shortcuts at the same time. But now you have the action button. And so... One of the things you can do in Things, for example, is you have an action called Get Currently Selected Item. And so, for example, I was able to make a little shortcut that 
takes whatever I selected, I press the action button, and it reschedules that task to a date that I chose beforehand. Yeah. So this idea of get the current selection via a shortcuts action on an iPhone is something that I would like more developers to adopt in the future. What do you have your multi-button do right now? Mine, uh, by default, it appends um, some text to a note, to my little dashboard note. Um, but if I press it again, it brings up a list of more shortcuts. Um, that's the thing uh, that I... So you have the menu, but... Hidden. I do have the... See, the, the thing is, I didn't want to... I didn't want to always choose from a menu. See, this is what I, I, I like. I think a lot of people is like, oh, I could put so many things here. But I was also very resistant of that idea because I thought if I do that, I'm not going to use it. Like I know me. And like if if every time I got to choose from something else, I'm going to not do that over time. Because exactly. like I'm just going to go do the thing because otherwise I will put 25 things behind that menu and then it's just too many things and then I'm not going to use it effectively. Exactly. And it, and it felt like a very natural interaction to me, like pressing the action button twice. Like by default, it goes to your sort of default shortcut. But if you yeah. press it again, it's like signals this intention of like, no, I want to have more shortcuts. And so that's why I put my menu as the secondary shortcut in, in multi-button. I might do that because... I have mine set up right now, but I'm thinking of kind of adapting it a bit and I might make one of those menus for it. So like what I did initially, so my first thing that I set on the action button was a shortcut to add a task to to-do. And this was based on something that you said, Federico. Which I, yes. I think it was on the show of like, yeah, there is no quick add for a Todoist on iPhone like there is on the Mac. And so now I just press my action button and add a task. And let me tell you, I've been doing this so much. So like I'm really happy with my choice because I've been I've been doing it constantly. Nice. And and it's really great. Like I, I set up a shortcut where it asks me what's the task and then I tell yeah. it and then it asks me what the due date is and I type it in natural language and then it pulls it through. And I'm happy I did it this way because I thought to myself, sometimes I don't want to add things to Todoist. I want to put them in due because it's something I, you know, like some like thing, like it's a simple task, but I want to make sure I remember it, like buy milk or whatever. And that kind of stuff I put in due because for me, it's like if I'm, leaving the studio and I need to pick up some groceries on the way home, I put it into due so it will keep reminding me so I'm less likely to walk past the grocery store. Yes. yes. So now there's a toggle in this uh, in this shortcut where I still put in the task title on the date and it says, what app do you want it to go in? Ah, that's perfect. That's perfect. And, so, and, let, let, and let me ask you, when you save to Todoist um, on, on your phone, yeah, um, does it automatically sync back to your other... Uh, devices running Todoist or do you need to open the iPhone app at some point? I mean, I probably need to open the iPhone app, but I open the okay. iPhone app all the time. Like, I actually don't know the answer to that question because it's like this, that I just don't think that would be something that would right, be right. a problem for me because of just how often yes. I open Todoist anyway. And so the the second action on my multi-button that I had before I added this new thing was to add something to a home project reminders list, which is something I'm trying to set up, which sidebar, the thing I was texting Federico about is why <laughs> can't you in, the, uh, in reminders, in shortcuts, you cannot add a reminder to one of these new sections. 
And I find that so annoying. They've just added this whole new thing called sections, which shows itself in the Kanban, right? Like, I know sections there before, but now it's like this whole big thing about column view. But if you want to add a reminder via shortcuts, it just goes into a list, like, randomly. When I want to say, put it in the section, but you can't. But anyway, I might also put reminders as a third option into that first shortcut. So mm. I can choose from Todoist, do or reminders, and then have something else on the second one. Stephen, what do you have on your action button? The camera. Mm. It's a to-do still. I've been busy. The camera one is nice because if you do it as the camera, then if you keep pressing the action button, it takes photos, which is not a thing that happens if you don't have the camera. Yeah, I just uh, I haven't gotten time to sit down to uh, to work on this. Which I do think is something Apple should change, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you... Even if you don't have the the camera on your action button, I still think that the camera should the action button should work as a as a camera shutter when you have the camera app open. I, I, there's no reason why it shouldn't, in my opinion. I have a request, and this time for Apple. So if you work on the shortcuts team, and if you're listening to this, um, here's here's my pitch. Okay, so later this year, in theory, Apple should release an, a new API for developers to use the volume buttons on an iPhone uh, to capture, uh, to snap pictures, like in, in camera apps. Here's my pitch. Imagine a future iPhone with the action button or a future software update to iOS 17 where a short, you, tr- you run a shortcut from the action button and it brings up one of these lists, okay? So it brings up one of these menus. Imagine if you could scroll the, or, you know, navigate up and down the items in a list with the volume buttons Mm. and confirm your selection by pressing the action button again. And, 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 (laughs) and I'll give you one more. Broadly speaking, if a shortcut comes up and it's got a list or a text field, pressing the action button again should confirm the action like in a text field there's like a blue button that says okay or confirm like i would like the action button to confirm uh, a menu or a dialogue or whatever so more physical interactions for these shortcuts that bring up a ui would be lovely to have in the future this episode of connected is brought to you by nom nom what you feed your dog is just as important as what you put into your body And it's time for real good food backed by science. That's Nom Nom. They deliver fresh dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out the best. Nom Nom is made with real whole food that you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are crafted by board-certified veterinary nutritionists made fresh and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs just like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. It is so important to have your dog's nutrition right, and that changes over their lifespan. What your dog needs when they're young and a puppy is different than maybe my dog who's a little bit older. So it's important to get this right and to pay attention to it over the years. And it's a no-brainer to try Nom Nom because it comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. 
Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash connected. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M, trynom.com slash connected for 50% off. Our thanks to Nom Nom for their support of the show and Relay FM. It's new hardware season. Uh, Mike, I want to start with you because you have a new phone and a new watch. Uh, How's that going? This is the happiest I've been with a hardware update revision year in a very, very long time. Mike Wiley is a very, very happy boy. Just having the combo of the 15 Pro Max and the Apple Watch Ultra 2 has been so nice. Like It solved some things that were bothering me and also given me some features that I wasn't necessarily expecting. So the Apple Watch Ultra 2, the biggest thing is the battery life. On my series, so for example, my series seven, I was getting about twelve to fourteen hours of battery life. Um, I would get to like twelve hours past, you know, like through the day. You know, I take say I take my watch off, say like eight or nine o'clock, and then at eight or nine o'clock in PM, it would tell me I had like ten percent left, and it was very annoying. I used to have to think way too much about the charging. Um, I just traveled home from America, so I woke up in the morning into Memphis, traveled all the way home. On the uh, overnight on the plane, and I didn't need to charge my watch at all until today, right? So mm-hmm. I took my ultra off charge, and then 27 hours later, I had 50% battery life, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of incredible. Um, I was very, very happy about that. Uh, it solved that issue completely for me. I just don't have to think about the battery anymore. Um, I'm really enjoying the bigger, brighter screen as well like it just looks nice and it's easier to use and it's just easier for me to do things on my watch what uh, app, the apple watch ultra is like the perfect pairing with watch os 10 right like it's just like a really really good pairing uh, the way that the ui looks and stuff like that so i'm very happy there um and then my 15 pro max the, honestly the biggest thing is like i just find this phone a joy to hold and use like the weight Difference is so noticeable in a way that I don't think I could have imagined. Like almost to me, I feel like it was even undersold by the people that got to try it, right? Like it's just like, this is a massive difference. And I think it's a difference you can only really understand once you're using it in your normal use cases, right? Like just like every day, picking it up, using it for like 20 minutes without somebody hovering over your shoulder or whatever. Um, This is just, it's so awesome. It feels good too. Like the rounding of the, the, the phone itself, like the edges, everything just feels nice. The the way I love the grip of the titanium. If you are someone like me who doesn't use a case, the titanium PVD, the PVD coated titanium is way nicer in the hand than the stainless steel was. Um, the camera is impressive. But I haven't yet, I mean, I haven't been using it for long enough to really understand the real use cases of the 5X. But, you know, I've been taking a bunch of sample photos and videos, and I'm very impressed by it. Um, The action button is just like, it is really like changing the way that I use my phone, which is wild. I would not have expected that. And then the natural titanium colors, super good. And I really like that the two devices match for me as well. I find the titanium uh, well obviously i don't have an apple watch ultra 2 but i'm really happy with my ultra first gen um the natural titanium looks 
incredibly nice and i agree with you it feels so much better in the hand than the stainless steel i don't know what it is it feels warmer to me uh i'm sure that the more sort of contoured edges they also help in like making it feel nicer when you hold it but i'm currently going through this sort of it, it kind of feels like a midlife crisis in a way where this phone urges me to hold it without a case yeah, however however i i've been using a case since the iphone 4 so it's been like what 13 years that i've been using a case on my phone using a phone without a case makes me feel anxious all the time like i'm i, I i'm always obsessing over the fact that i might scratch it or ding it and that i may break it and i gotta and sure i got apple care but then I got to go to the Apple store, you know, and it becomes a whole thing and I need to drive there. And I don't know, I, sometimes I tend to be a bit of a clumsy person with my phone. Like, I, it's not like I throw it around, but like I place it on a table without thinking about it much. But now that I'm using it without a case, I'm thinking about it. And I don't want to think about, you know, how I hold and use my phone. However, when I do hold it, I, I think, well, but this is so nice, though. I bought a silicone case, and I put it in the silicone case. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. But then I took it out of the case again, and I thought, oh, this is so much nicer, though. So for the first time, like in previous years with the stainless steel, I, I was like, yeah, it looks good. I can see the color, whatever. I'm just going to put it in a case. Titanium and this, this texture, this color, the edges, everything about it makes me want to hold it without a case. However, my muscle memory and my history of using cases makes me worry about it all the time. Right now, I don't have it in a case and I don't want to put it back, but I'm worried. I understand that and I, I wish... I wish for you the freedom to to not use a case yes. in your phone because it feels yes. so excellent. And also, don't know if you guys are aware, but like cases, am I right? They're not great. <laughs> they're, they're, iPhone they're, cases. I've I've been hearing I've been hearing some stuff. They're ha they're having a moment. <laughs> cases are, having, but oh boy, am I getting a lot of ads for cases on Instagram? Yes. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're spending some money. I mean, if you're a case maker right now, you just print that money, baby. Which, it's ready let's to go. let's just say it, right? Um, Apple they really botched it with this the, fine woven, the fine woven, yeah, case. Um, However, and, good or bad it is, right? Like it doesn't matter now because the story no. has become the case is bad, right? Yeah, like it, it doesn't matter what you think about it. That the story is this case is bad. I think the case is bad, but. It, this is just where it is. Uh, I I heard a blogger from Five Twelve Pixels, for example, stated a, 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 that the case was a bad. blogger from Five Twelve Pixels noticed that the USB cutout on the fine woven case is misaligned yeah. with the USB C port, and this blogger uh, pointed out correctly how <laughs> unless you get an Apple USB C case, the connector won't fit if you're using the fine woven case because of that misaligned USB cutout. Um, I mean. Stuff like that, I'm going to say something that I don't think is necessarily controversial. Maybe some people will, will say that, that I hate the environment, which I don't. But I feel like in this case, no pun intended. <laughs> what was that reaction? <laughs> I don't know. Is it supposed to be a bell or something? I, don't know. <laughs> I feel like 
Apple maybe thought that the that the principle behind the case was more important than the money it costs. That for the sake of the good of the environment, they could sell people a subpar accessory and they would be okay with it. And as much as I think a lot of people of our generation, of our age, we are worried about the environment, about, you know, about climate change, about, you know, the, the fact that we are destroying our planet. We are worried about these things. But at the end of the day, there is still an underlying truth that to buy these accessories, you got to spend money, right? And at some point, sure, there's the principle behind the case. There's the thinking behind the case. Oh, it makes me feel good to know that this accessory is carbon neutral and that it's not made with real leather and that they're not killing cows to make leather. Yes, but also I got to take 60 euros out of my wallet and go buy a case that gets stained or scratched or that doesn't let me use the USB-C cable I got. And, and in that moment, a lot of people may say, you know what, those principles, I just spent 60 euros on this thing and it's not good enough, right? And, and it sucks as a situation to be in, right? It sucks because like you really want to use this thing. I really wanted the fine woven case to be great, but it's not. And what concerns me the most is that Apple had this opportunity to drive folks away from leather products uh, with this case, which is a great initiative, but by botching the execution of this case, they're gonna send the wrong message for years to come, which is, oh, you get the carbon neutral product, it's not as nice as it used to be. And so you know what people are gonna do? They're gonna go buy a leather case from a third party manufacturer. Yeah, I would like to uh, steer people to towards the most recent episode of Upgrade where me and Jason spoke about this case for about, I'm not kidding, like half an hour because we, we got into all of the different potential avenues, you know, like Jason was saying, like why he thinks this case was made and it's like, you know, it, it benefits the spreadsheet somewhere. They had to have a replacement, right, for the, the price point. You, you, you know, one team wants it to be carbon neutral, but the other team, the case team, still need to sell their cases. And to kind of piggyback on what you were saying there, Federico, one of the things that, that I'm thinking about, I'm not concerned about it, but I'm thinking about it, is like I think that this kind of thing is just a place that we're going to have to get used to over this next five or six years as Apple moves more towards carbon neutral is that some products will take a step back for a bit while they have to try and make different considerations and then they will learn how to do it better and better. Like if they, st and I hope they do stick with this fine woven idea mm -hmm. and I am confident that they will be able to imp improve the quality of this product and make it better and better over time and actually, you know, make it more of a luxury item. Because that's the thing about it, of like, you can say what you like about it, it does not, my, my issue with this thing is it just doesn't feel like a luxury good. Like, no, it, it feels like a worse quality case in feel than the silicone case. So you should just buy the silicone case, but I don't know what the environmental impact of the silicone case is. I'm assuming they've probably gotten that under control if they can get the watch bands under control, like they're all some form of silicone. Um, but it just, just, just doesn't, it's just this just ain't it this one ain't it 
and but I hope that they're able to do it. But I think we're just going to have to be in for a little bit of a bumpy ride with some of this stuff as they work out new ways to manufacture their existing product lines. I don't know what is going to ha- well what they're going to have to do to make the iPhone carbon neutral. I I cannot conceive mm. of this idea. Uh, that feels like honestly it feels insurmountable but obviously they don't, they don't believe so. Mm-hmm. But I will be fascinated as we move through these next few years to to see what they're going to do about the iPhone. But it's a nice iPhone this year. It's very good. iPhone's very good. Very nice USB-C, iPhone. right? How nice was it to plug in a USB-C cable the first time? Oh, I, I found it it was great, but kind of a weird feeling. Like, it just felt, like, wrong because, like, yeah. cable connector was bigger. I did have a thing last night where I was, like, going to bed, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I can't charge this phone. <laughs> I haven't got anything. Uh, so I <laughs> I have had to – I'm having to rearrange all my cables because uh, I've I'd yet to MagSafe my nightstand. Well, that will be happening this evening. I'll be MagSafing the nightstand. But it was very funny. Yeah, I, I I tried something and it worked. Now that the iPhone has a USB-C cable and it supports uh, a USB-C connector and it supports video out, I theorized that this thing was going to work. And it did. I took a USB-C cable that supported uh, data transfer and I connected the iPhone to a, an HDMI uh, capture card I have a, a cable that is USB-C on one end and HDMI on the other. Um, connected the iPhone to a capture card and connected the capture card to the iPad Pro. And so I was able to mirror my iPhone on the iPad's screen. It's kind of useless as a thing. Maybe maybe it could be useful for screencasts or stuff like that. But that's the sort of freedom that having USB-C now allows for. You, your iPhone, and it goes beyond displays. I mean... I'm sure there will be a narrative soon about using iPhones for console gaming. You know, take get an iPhone 15 Pro, play Resident Evil Village or yep. Death Stranding, connect a USB-C cable to a portable monitor or something, get a DualSense controller, and now you're playing a console game on your iPhone. But like this freedom that USB-C allows for is so nice. Mm-hmm. It's like moving beyond lightning. It's It's... And 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 a thought that I had was some of us of our some in our community, like John Gruber, for example, was concerned before the Apple event that there was going to be this huge backlash uh, about USB-C. And yeah. in fact, as as we I believe we said this on the show, that just didn't happen because everybody was just waiting for this moment to arrive. And every single person I talked to in real life was like, oh, and finally it's got the USB cable, right? And I'm like, yeah, it does. Everybody's just so happy that finally you can use the one cable for all of your electronic I've, devices. I've heard it referenced more like a joke than like like people are kind of like... Oh, and they finally put USB-C, yeah, exactly. right? Like, I've been hearing exactly. that like the on opposite. podcasts, like non-tech podcasts that I listen to where people or people are like, wait, they didn't already? Mm-hmm. Like I've been hearing that more. Like the cables have not been a thing, right? Like if anything, we've got what the cases. And I think th- I've been seeing a lot of headlines about overheating, but I just don't understand because mm-hmm. whatever, phones get hot. Like I actually don't know if this is a real thing or not, but mm-hmm. um, the cables um, definitely aren't the problem. Yeah, um, and you know what I'm going to say? 
thank you European Union for yep. forcing their hand and making mm-hmm. this happen because otherwise we, we would salute probably... the European Union on this podcast. Yes, we w- the the alternative what what could have been like wait three four years for iPhones to drop a physical connector altogether and go wireless for data transfer even it's much better this way. So sometimes 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 you listen to the government and sometimes the government makes you listen to them. And in this case, it was the latter. And I'm glad I'm glad this happened. Well, I think that about does it for this week. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 469. Nice. The links are also in your podcast player. The most important link is the first one to go donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Please go check that link out. Uh, you can also become a member and get ad-free, longer versions of the show each and every week. And you can find us elsewhere on the internet. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, and he is on Mastodon as Vitici at MacStories.net. You can find Mike on other shows here at Relay FM. You can also find his work at Cortex Brand. He is on Instagram and Threads as iMike, and you can follow him on Mastodon as iMike at Mike.social. You can find me on Mac Power Users each and every week here on Relay. You can also find my writing at 512pixels.net. I'm on Mastodon as ismh at eworld.social and ismh86 on threads. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Vitality, Squarespace, and NomNom. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.